Welcome to Declaration Life. I'm your host, Christabel Braden, and I'm so glad you decided to tune in today. We are back for another episode, episode number 18, and I am thrilled to have Christina Roman of Peak Coaching here today to talk about motivation, mindset, how to get through your day, how to tell yourself the right things, really being honest with yourself about time management, and so much more. This is a really practical conversation, but also a really, really encouraging one. So I'm glad you decided to tune in. I know that you're going to enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get started. So I'm not giving up. Live a declaration life. Declare your purpose. Declare your place. Declare your work. On every episode of Declaration Life, we start out with a segment called the Declaration Segment, and this is when I share a declaration that you can speak over your life because I truly believe that what you tell yourself matters. Now, today's interview, this is something we're going to be talking about throughout the interview, which is pretty awesome. Christina is going to be sharing some really great encouragement as far as your motivation and how to tell yourself the right things. So it's really cool that the interview goes along with what we always do in the declaration segment. It couldn't have been a more perfect fit. And I'm really excited for you to hear what Christina has to say today. But all that being said, today's declaration is going to go in line with what we're going to talk about during the interview. Today's declaration is... I'm going to tell myself the truth. Simply that, tell yourself the truth. One of the main things that we have to remind ourselves and that we've talked about in previous episodes, tell yourself the right things, right? So tell yourself the truth about whatever situation you're in. Continuing to bring facts to your mind, remind yourself what is true, what is not. Now, what's interesting about this is Sometimes we unintentionally, subconsciously run from the truth, whether good or bad. So yes, when there are hard things happening, we definitely run away from those hard truths. And I'm not saying to drown yourself in sadness or drown yourself in cold, hard facts about the depressing things in life, but I'm saying don't run from the good truths because Sometimes we run from the truth that I'm loved by God. We run from the truth that God has a plan for my life. We run from the truth that our family loves us. We run from the truth by telling ourselves that we're alone. And we are running from the good truths. So tell yourself the right truths. And of course, you guys know, I firmly believe the word of God is an amazing place to Speak truth over yourself and to read truth and to put it in front of yourself and continually remind yourself of what's true and what's not. What's true about yourself and what's not true about yourself. What's true about God, what's not true about God. And continually reminding yourself of these truths will help you. So, like I said, today's declaration, tell yourself the truth, right? Not drowning yourself in the hard ones, but speaking the good truths over yourself. So the challenge is sit back, take even just five minutes to meditate on this. Write it in your journal. What's true in my life today? 
what's true for yourself? What's true in your life? You can just journal a couple of those things. Some examples for me could be like, I could write down, I'm grateful for my my parents and my sisters. I'm loved by my family. I don't question if I'm loved by my family. And I know I'm really blessed in that way that my immediate family is there for me. That's a truth. My family is there for me. Another truth being my music is making an impact. Sometimes I doubt that. And I feel like all my concerts are canceled because of the coronavirus. And so I'm like, oh, you know, maybe there's there's no point in doing music. But reminding myself, having one person that my music has helped, that means everything to me. So reminding myself of the truth that, hey, I'm making an impact and I might not even realize it. And I can guarantee that every single one of you listening is making an impact with your life. Because as human beings, we're always making impacts on the people around us. So think about that, whether it's through a creative project like music. Maybe you're a musician. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe you're a really, really good friend. What impact are you making? Write that down. That is a truth to remember about yourself. Another truth simply being, today's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. It's never too late to start over. That's a truth you can write down. That's a truth you can remind yourself of. So challenge yourself to take a little bit of time. Express these truths in your life. Remind yourself of the things that really matter and make a list. Put it up where you can see it and say, you know what? This is true about me. This is true about my life. And this is what matters. I am here with Christina Roman, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. And we both are CR Christas. Yes. <laughs> we bonded over that right away. Yes. No H. Get out of here, H's. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I'm constantly telling people Christabel, but no H. They called me Christina with no H in high school, so I totally understand. <laughs> so Christina is the founder of Peak Coaching, and she has so much knowledge to share with you about just being a successful in your daily life, time management, getting into a good work state, and all these different things. So... Christina, do you want to just go ahead and share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sounds great. So like you said, I am the founder, life coach, and productivity consultant at Peak Coaching. I'm also a fellow podcaster, so that's exciting. (laughs) And I work with rushed, overwhelmed, and distracted professionals in order to refocus on the thing that they've put on the back burner. So I hear a lot from my clients that they have a project or multiple projects sometimes that they have taken to 50% done or 80% done, but they've never actually finished it. And so I work with them to actually finish those projects and get that sense of accomplishment, pride, satisfaction that comes when you actually complete things in your life. So that's the type of person that I work with. And it's been an amazing, amazing journey. It's the best business and industry ever. I love it. (laughs) I love that. I love what you said too, about helping people with what they have on the back burner a lot in this podcast is encouraging people to live with purpose and intention and, you know, follow your passions and what you feel in your heart to do. And that's so great that you help people do that. It's 
I don't mean to get too cheesy, but it's such an honor. And when I just think about the fact that I connect with perfect strangers, so I have lots of Facebook ads, so total strangers show up to my mini sessions and we're on video and they're confiding in me some of their biggest hopes and dreams. It it makes me want to tear up. Um, it's so special. And just the fact that people let me into their brains and let me coach them on their biggest passions is is an honor. What made you want to go into doing this? So I always joke, I'm like, I've known about this for 10 years and I knew the first time I heard about life coaching that I was going to be a life coach at some point. I was just talking to my freshman year roommate. She was like, yeah, of course, we all knew you were going to be a life coach. And my career took a much more winding path than that. So a few stops through recruiting, running an online business, customer success, so account management, and then some geographical changes. So I moved abroad for a few years to Central America So lots of changes, but I always knew I'd end up here in 2020. I did it. (laughs) Wow. So you kind of always knew it's what you wanted to do. Yeah. And and you asked why. And so I, I mean, there's a ton of reasons why it's just such an interesting field to me. It's a field that I never want to stop learning about. And I love, I have that insatiable curiosity to always keep learning. But the thing that I think is most interesting to me is the idea that when you ask someone the right question, things can open up for them completely. So I think there's a misconception with coaching that I'm giving my clients the answer or I'm telling them what to do. But I was just explaining to someone yesterday, I was like, I say to my clients, I have no idea what you should ever do in your life, ever. That's your decision. I'm here to just guide and to create space for you and ask you the right questions and the rest is up to you. And to watch someone walk into a session and then walk out either 30 minutes or an hour later and having made a huge decision that's been on their plate for so long or knowing exactly what action steps they need to take in order to reach a goal and knowing that they generated all of that themselves is so cool. I love that. That's so great. Being able to watch people do exactly what they want to do. It sounds really empowering. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool. (laughs) Just knowing that you're like helping people meet their goals tangibly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting and I love it. And again, I don't take it lightly at all. One thing that I was really trained in at my life coaching program was the idea that when your client has huge successes, you don't get to take credit. And when they have quote unquote failures, you also don't get to take credit for those. And so it helps you. You're still proud of your client and you're still excited to see their wins and you're still feel for them when they have those losses. But at the same time, it gives you a little bit of a healthy detachment from getting too invested in your client's life and feeling like you know the answers for them. Yeah, that's that's a really good distinction. That's a really good distinction, probably good for mental health, too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So what kind of advice would you have for our listeners? Let's say somebody is wanting to pursue something they've always dreamed of but doesn't know how to start. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Such a good question. I know it's very broad. So just whatever, whatever comes to your mind, just whatever encouragement you have. Yeah. I guess what I would say is I would start by getting out a piece of paper and writing down that thing. So for some people, it's a tangible goal. Like you said, I have clients who come in and they say, I've always wanted to write a screenplay or I've always wanted to write a book or I have this giant research project that I would love to ace or 
I, this one is super interesting to me. I had a consult with somebody who is creating a brand new programming language and that to him is so satisfying, wow. but he needs to do. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> <That's> right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I work with people, write All these different types of projects, but the thing that I would say is write that down. If you have a specific idea in mind and then write down a giant list of all of your thoughts about that. So what you'll see if you haven't achieved that thing yet, what you'll probably see is a giant list of obstacles or a giant list of all the reasons you think you can't do it. And then you get to coach yourself on actually moving past all those obstacles. But it'll surface all the things that you tell yourself about your potential goal. Wow. (laughs) That sounds really helpful, actually. But also eye-opening as far as digging into yourself. I find that I find that I guess personally, whenever I put things aside, like for example, when I was working on my new album for the longest time, I had to be so diligent in working on it every day. But there would be a while that it's like, well, I know I should work on this song, but you know, this, 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 or and and it was really stemming from me being afraid. Mm-hmm to get emotional and write the songs. But I was always making excuses like I'm running out of time or I have other stuff I need to focus on. And But in reality, it was I was afraid to write these songs or to work on these songs that made me emotional. I love the self-awareness of knowing, being able to get to the point where you realize that that's what's happening. And one of the most life-changing things that I heard was, what if you can handle any emotion? And if you truly believe that you can handle any emotion, it opens up a world of possibility because there's nothing that you're avoiding. So I think the biggest things that come up, like you said, fear, rejection, disappointment, failure, right? All those things come up for people when they go after a big goal, like an album, which is so cool. (laughs) And you have to be willing to feel all of those things. Uncomfortable, rejected for me is a big one. Does that, does there feel like there was anything else involved in the album besides the fear of getting emotional? Yeah. So by the time this podcast comes out, the music will be released. So I began by just writing these songs just for me about, you know, what I had been through and my emotional state. But when it turned from, oh, I'm just writing a song for me to process through when it turned into, oh, I'm going to actually record this Mm -hmm. so other people are going to hear this. For me, that was when a lot more of the fear and anxiety came in because, you know, you like you said, afraid of judgment of what people think, but it's vulnerable. And especially creativity in terms of like creative projects or very highly personal projects. I think that the creative process is is any type of artist, good art comes from vulnerability mm-hmm. and being open about pain and, and stuff. But it, it's not easy. It's not easy to do. It takes a long time. It There's over a year between when I wrote the song, My Story Now, to when it's finally coming out. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a journey, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I love that you touched on vulnerability. And I think it's interesting if you watch the brain and what happens when we go after a creative project, like you mentioned, that a lot of times we'll have thoughts like, I am never going to create something that's good enough. 
or I'm not good enough to be creating this. And then that often creates a feeling of shame or anxiety or disappointment. And then the way that you show up from that feeling is often you procrastinate or you don't dig in fully. And then you basically create evidence for yourself that you were right all along, that you're not good enough for it. And so you have to first acknowledge that original belief system in order to change it. And so that's, I mean, that's the root of coaching is really helping people unearth their belief systems. Because if you don't know what you're working with, you can't solve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's really good. Feeling drives our action. And so if you're thinking a thought like, I am never going to create something amazing and you feel disappointment, then likely from that feeling of disappointment, you're not going to do productive action. So you're going to procrastinate. You might go watch Netflix. You might take a lot of naps. <laughs> you're never actually going to double down and, and create that focused time to do the creative project. And the result of that is there's no creative project finished, which creates evidence for the original thought. See, I knew I was never good enough to do this. Mm, yeah. I think for me, setting personal deadlines has been the number one thing that has helped me because I don't have a record label. I'm I'm an independent artist. And so like Mm -hmm. if I'm not motivating myself, there's nobody like breathing down my neck trying to get this music by a certain time. But I I will book studio time. Mm -hmm. I fly to Nashville to record my music and I knew by this time I had to have everything ready. And then when I went into the studio last summer... The first time that song played for the musicians that came in, I was so uncomfortable and nervous and anxious because I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is these are the first people besides my mom that are like hearing these deep thoughts. And I was so nervous. I mean, they were so kind, like there wasn't any reason to be nervous, but it was like my own mental battle. You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned the nerves because I think that that comes up for everyone doing creative projects, self very much included, but you speak to a really interesting piece, which is you felt nervous and did it anyway. But I think a lot of people use the nerves as an indicator that they shouldn't be doing it. And a lot of people will then claim that that's their intuition or that's their inner voice. And what I always say, and in my experience is that's not usually your inner voice that's telling you not to pursue the glorious creative project that you've been wanting to pursue for five years. It's not usually your intuition, right? Your intuition is usually like, yeah, you should definitely do it. (laughs) That's Um, true. But I love that you acknowledged the nerves and then did it anyway. Well, thanks. I really, I mean, for me, it wasn't my first album. So I think that's another reason of that, that, that helping because I've, I'd done it before. It was just a different topic. And so I think that that helped because I'd already released other albums. And so I already knew that the music was going to help people and that was my motivation but it's just Mm -hmm. it was just a matter of doing it at that point for me but everyone's different (laughs) yeah well what you did if I can reflect back because this is this is putting my coaching hat on obviously but you have that thought is this music is gonna impact somebody and then you said that created a feeling of motivation for you a hundred percent that's the number one thing Love that. Yeah. And then from the motivation, you show up at the studio, you feel nervous, but you do it anyway. You let your work be seen and heard by people. And then the result of those actions is your music's out in the world influencing people. So you just kind of created that entire cycle 
where you created the exact result that you wanted to have. And like you said, it's so individual for different people. So the thought that you have, which is this music is going to impact someone or influence someone, that thought might not create motivation for someone else. So I always say like, don't copy and paste thoughts from somebody else. If a thought creates commitment for me, that doesn't mean it's going to create commitment for you. So make sure you're being really honest with yourself about what thoughts really do create the feeling that you want. That's really good advice too. You're full of good advice. (laughs) (laughs) I try. It's my job. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we've been talking a lot about like big projects or big creative projects. Can you share a little bit of advice on the day-to-day? Something that intrigued me when we were emailing was you were talking about how you had some tips for basic productivity and time management. Can you just chat a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So I want to give a little bit of background that I think might be helpful. So I used to do productivity seminars back in the day, like 2014, just made myself I gave myself the title of productivity expert, and then I gave seminars to people who listened. (laughs) But I always say that the interesting thing is back then, I was always trying to solve people's actions, and I didn't understand that their thoughts were such a big part of the equation. So for example, I would say, here's this cool tool that you can use in order to be more productive. But what I didn't realize was that they still had the underlying belief that they weren't enough or that they weren't worthy, or that there was never Mm. enough time. And so those little tools can only help so much because they're kind of like Band-Aids. So you have to solve for everything at the level of the mind is the new approach. That is such a good point. That is such a good point. That just made light bulbs go off in my brain. Like you wouldn't even believe because you can have all the tools, but if you have a mental block or like you don't have good motivation, you're never going to do it. And I find it less so I'm a really good big picture person. Like if I have a huge project for me, that's a lot easier than my little day to day things. And it's because I live with chronic pain and I live with a chronic illness, having a brain injury and dysautonomia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my day to day life can look really different depending on the day. And if I wake up with a migraine or not, I can get really disorganized very easily. But I'm really good at making sure my big goals get done, Hmm. but my day-to-day stuff, I've been trying to reorganize my room and like set up a space for creativity in my room. And I just put it off and put it off and put it off because other stuff taking precedent, but like, I really need to do some organization. That kind of day-to-day stuff I really struggle with. But like you said, you can have all the tools. I know what to do and I have the tools. I know how to organize, but I just Mm -hmm. don't do it necessarily and what you just said about that kind of created a light bulb in me because it was like uh yeah (laughs) I feel that so this is super interesting I always accidentally end up coaching every podcast host that I go on with so if you don't mind let's dig in are you up for it sure so you said really interesting I am really good at achieving my big goals I don't think you said those exact words do you mind Can you tell me again what you said exactly? I don't know exactly how I said it, but I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm really dedicated and diligent when it comes to like, just this, how I feel about it. When I have a big goal, like an album or some big creative project or like a show coming up or an event or anything like that, I wrote a book, like things like that. I'm really good at discipline and doing them. 
because it's it's my heart desire and my passion and what's important to me. But like the day-to-day stuff, I struggle with. <laughs> so this is really interesting. I love that idea, first of all. It's, I'm really dedicated when it comes to my big projects. But fundamentally, in order to achieve those big projects, you do have to do day-to-day stuff. But I yeah. think that in your mind, those day-to-day actions might be different than the day-to-day actions that don't feel as fascinating. So when you go and you do you break down a big project into action steps that you have to do every single day. What makes you do them? It's the motivation knowing, Hey, this album's going to help someone. And just knowing if I don't get it done, it's never going to be done. If I don't get it done now, if I don't put aside this time to do it. And also when it comes to working on music, I really enjoy doing it. So it's something that I have fun doing as opposed to like organizing stuff that I have less fun doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting. You have this thought, if I don't set aside time now, then it won't get done. And that creates motivation when you have a project that you perceive is big and interesting and compelling. So if you think about what would create motivation for you to organize your room, does anything come to mind? Well... I mean, it'll make my life feel a lot better. (laughs) It'll make my daily life feel better, for sure. I think the piece for me that is the main struggle is the brain injury. Like, that is my main barrier. Because one of the things that we have to... When you live with a chronic illness, it's just different. Like, you have to prioritize your life based on your mental... Like, your mental um, limitations and activity. And so, like... Mm -hmm. I I always have things that I would like to get done, but when I only have a certain amount of time with my brain before it like gets too exhausted to even think, or if I have really bad migraines, mm. like I just have to prioritize the things that at that moment are more important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever consider then, if it's true that organizing your room is not a priority, do you ever just consider letting yourself off the hook completely and saying, I acknowledge that this isn't a priority. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, (laughs) I do that too much. (laughs) Yeah. That's my problem. So, well, what I see, I always, I see clients in this really interesting in-between spot, which is I'm acknowledging that it's not a priority. I'm not going to make it a priority. I'm not going to create the thoughts and the compelling reason that drive the feelings to make it a priority and get it done. However, I'm still going to beat myself up about not having done it. I'm not going to let it go. I'm probably going to feel resentful every time I see like the pile of clothes in the corner. (laughs) So I call this like one foot in each lane. Is you, I actually, what I really call it, do you curse on your podcast? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) But you can like, I mean, I I marked them all clean, so I don't know what you can put in there. Let's call it one foot in each lane. (laughs) But I think that's a really interesting point is for anyone listening who feels like they have this thing that's been looming over them is to really make a decision on it. And I call this doing or dumping, right? You either do it and you decide it is a priority. And in order to get it done, you're going to create the feeling that drives you to take the action. And the way that you create that feeling is through your thoughts. And if it's truly not a priority and you've decided not to do it, really let it go. Really just decide that it's not going to take up any more of your mental energy and you're really going 
just get rid of it. Does that strike anything for you? And does it resonate at all? Yeah, it makes sense. I like how you focus in on motivation and making conscious decisions. Declaration Life, that's what it's about. We talk about living with intention, doing your life on purpose, (laughs) not just letting life happen to you, but really choosing how you're going to live each and every day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I see, I see a lot of clients and I absolutely do this myself too, is getting caught in that place where you say, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do the, you know, the other thing. And I think for a lot of people, they already understand that difference between I have to versus I get to, or I want to. But for a lot of my clients, that has been their single biggest turning point is when they stopped saying I have to, and they started saying I want to, or I get to. So it's that little language tweak that makes a big difference. I heard that in a sermon a couple weeks ago. <laughs> cool. <laughs> in the church I was I was singing at. Yeah, and it really, like, it spoke to me. And I, I changed a lot of my mindset from then on. So I can agree with that. It's definitely, I like that. Awesome. Yeah, that's one of those kind of tips that a lot of people have heard. But I always say, for all the tips that you've heard, what percent do you actually implement? So that's where my work is. Mm-hmm. So what in your life has made you, you know, we talked earlier, you were saying it was something you kind of always wanted to do, but like, do you ever find yourself struggling with any of this stuff? Like, do you ever find yourself coaching yourself? Every day. (laughs) Every single day. (laughs) I mean, I assume that was probably the answer, but. Yes, I would be, honestly, I would be concerned if a coach wasn't doing some level of self-coaching. I would say I do still struggle in the area that I that I teach on. So how to focus, how to get into a deep work state, productivity and time management. Absolutely. I would say that my biggest struggle there is that I always have had so many ideas and I get so excited about the novelty of a new idea. And so I always, I used to joke, I don't really make this joke so much anymore, but that the internet was scattered with half finished Christina projects, like all these blogs and all these (laughs) different things I started. And so I think my biggest challenge is really constraining myself to the projects that are most important for me to be working on and understanding that going really deep into those projects is ultimately going to serve me as a business owner and serve my clients instead of me working in a hundred different directions and scattering all of my energy. And then I'll say outside of productivity and time management, I have plenty of stuff that I coach myself on and get coached on. Um, relationships with family, friends, um, health, pretty much everything, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. You just mentioned about going into like a deep work state that intrigued me. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I use a method for how to get into a deep work state in 15 minutes, which is step-by-step. And people are welcome to download my guide on my website if you go to peakcoaching.co slash deepworkstate. And it walks you through how to get into this focused state so that you can do an hour of uninterrupted work and actually produce a high-quality, high-impact product whatever that might be for your personal or professional life by the end of one hour. So the reason that I created that is because a lot of my clients come to me distracted, overwhelmed, feeling they're constantly being interrupted. And so this method is how are you going to actually create something of impact if you have a focused block of time? So it's again regarding making choices on your time. Absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it takes, like you said, I like that you use the word conscious, but using a lot of conscious thought to decide the work that you're going to do during that hour of deep work and deciding, I call it planning backwards. So what is the result that you want to create? And again, for you, it might be another album or for another client, it might be a screenplay or that programming language. So looking at the result and then breaking down into small pieces, what is the result that I could have at the end of one hour? How can I create an uninterrupted block of time for myself in order to knock that out? Yeah. You know, I appreciate this. This is making me really think a lot too regarding just my day to day. I was sharing a little bit before we hit record um, when we got on here that like today, particularly, I was just thrown off by just these variables that come in. And so many days, you know, it's really easy to just get thrown off by stuff. How do you get yourself back on track when you, you know, you have one plan for the day and then, okay, that didn't happen by some, whether it's schedule or something outside of your control or something happens. How do you continue to stay motivated and continue to get things done when you're kind of pushed off track? I love that question. And the thing that I've been working on lately is this concept of yes, no, or counteroffer. And I actually have to credit my mom. (laughs) My mom told me about this from a workshop that she did years ago. But I say to my clients when they come to a session and they say, I had all these different interruptions. So my email notifications, I had phone calls, my boss popped into my office, Slack notifications, um, or someone working from home might have a significant other or a child. All these different things that might possibly threaten to derail your time and your original plan. I say in that moment, you get to decide, yes, you're going to give into it. And that very well might be the right decision. You're going to say no, or you're going to counter offer. And so a counter offer might look like, hey, boyfriend, I can't do this right now. I can't go on that fun, spontaneous road trip that you want to go on on Wednesday afternoon. Right now, I can go in an hour. Or uh, for your boss, it might be, hey, you know, I for sure know that this project is super important, but I'm not going to be able to work on it until 2 p.m. today. So really taking that moment to, again, to use your word, to consciously decide the path that you're going to go down at any given moment really keeps you in control and makes you the owner of your day. The thing that I see with so many people is that they just give up ownership over their day and they say, well, someone interrupted me, Mm -hmm. therefore everything's derailed. But there's always in every single moment the opportunity to get it back to where you want it to be. You just have to decide what your priorities are. So, yeah. I love that. (laughs) What did that that spark for you? I love that. Well, okay, because having a brain injury, right, like your whole life gets interrupted when you have an accident and your whole life changes from that instant. Or a lot of our listeners are brain injury survivors or have chronic illnesses or not all of them, but a lot of them are because, you know, that's important to me and I'm passionate about that. I've interviewed a lot of people who've had chronic Mm -hmm. illness. And I love what you were saying about how this interruption, but this might, this might come in, but I can take ownership of my day and choose how my day is going to be. So even when it comes to living with a brain injury, I have a migraine today. Okay. If I wake up with a headache, I have to go, 
all right, A, B, and C that I want is going to do today, my brain's just not going to do it. So maybe I can only do A Mm -hmm. today and I'll try and do B and C tomorrow. And I like how you explain the counter offer because so many times it's really easy to get discouraged and feel like you are less than because you're not able to get as much done, especially if it's coming from a health reason or, or mental health reason, right? Anxiety, depression, like you can get an anxiety attack or you can, you can feel really depressed and so many people struggle with that. And I just love how you explain that, how you phrase that, because whether it's in the big picture of life when, oh, my whole life was interrupted by this diagnosis or this brain injury or whatever, but I'm still going to pursue my big goals or I'm going to redefine my goals and pursue something new, but I'm not going to let it stop me. Or whether it's in your little day to day, I don't want to say little because nothing's little, but whether it's in your smaller goals in terms of your day to day and going, okay, well, my day's been interrupted, but I can take ownership. When you said take ownership, (laughs) I was like, yes, because that that's really important because it's not like your day happens to you. Like you can choose how your day is going to go, even with the unexpected things. Yes, absolutely. I love that you mentioned that. And I think I will add on to what you said, which is when somebody, let's say your boss interrupts you and you get annoyed because it wasn't part of your original plan, then I would pause and I would ask yourself, is your job to respond to your boss when they need you? And it might be, right? That might be your actual job description. And in that case, being upset about it isn't going to serve you. That is your job. You're there to do it. But there's a lot of times where we make an assumption. So I was actually just on a client consult where she said, I can't turn off email notifications. And we revisited it. And I said, is that really true? She's like, yeah, I can't turn them off. And I said, so if I said turn off email notifications for 10 minutes, you couldn't do that? And she said, no, 10 minutes would be okay. And so I said, well, okay, well, what's the threshold? What is the maximum length of time that you could go before checking your email? And she said an hour. So she walks in with a story that she can't turn off her email notifications and she walks out taking ownership of the fact that she actually could go up to an hour without checking. That's a huge difference, right? Imagine getting pinged with emails like every three minutes versus going an entire hour and all because she changed the story that she was telling herself. I like how you said that change the story you're telling yourself, right? (laughs) Like we're always telling ourselves something. So let's tell ourselves the right things. Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) So what else do you have to add on that? What are some, okay, let's, let's talk about regarding everything we've talked about. What are some of the things that Mm -hmm. you would suggest for people to start telling themselves if they want to live a more successful life in general in their day-to-day life? You know, it's so funny. I, the first thing that popped into my head was start telling yourself the truth. And what I mean by that is we tell ourselves myths all day, every day, and we don't even recognize that they're myths. And so I say to my clients, our job is to debunk the myths. I had a client recently who said, I've always been super into detective novels. Like I love the idea of Sherlock Holmes. And so I love the idea of being a detective of my own Mm -hmm. life. Like where am I lying to myself 
and how can I debunk my own myths? So that analogy worked so well for him to think of being the detective of his own life. So I would say when you tell yourself a thought that creates a feeling that you don't want to be feeling is really pause in that moment and check in with the accuracy of that thought. And a lot of times you'll find really immediately, oh, it's just not even an accurate thought at all. Or you might find, well, maybe it's accurate, but it doesn't tell the whole story. So again, this is such a micro example, but it just happened on a client consult. Somebody said, I got this flurry of emails. And I said, okay, let's define a flurry. To me, a flurry might be 25 within an hour. To you, a flurry might be 100. But to her, a flurry was eight. And so when she stopped and she stopped calling it a flurry and she started calling it eight emails, it totally changed the way that she was showing up in that situation. So that is a really small example of tell yourself the truth about what's really happening in these scenarios. And that to me is always the first step of making change in your life is understanding where you are currently. That's amazing. I love that example of having eight emails as opposed to making a kind of broad generalization that isn't even doesn't say anything like what is a flurry I don't know when it's snowing outside right (laughs) there's no like specific definition of that and so yeah that's a really good example of telling yourself the truth and not only through our daily lives but you know the big overarching truths like my life has value I'm worth it that's what this podcast is all about but I love how you have Also, it's something I hadn't really thought about in terms of telling yourself the right things through your daily life tasks of going, okay, like even today I was like, oh, I don't have time to do everything I have to do over the next 24 hours. Like that's the thought that was going through my mind. But in reality, I have time. I just need to organize my time effectively. But it was stressing me out because I was like, I don't have time to do this. It's like, no, that's not really true. And so what you just said really spoke to me even today. Yeah, I think you make the really good point that it's happening all the time in these little examples. And so those little examples add up to a worldview. I see a lot of people say, people are rude. People aren't kind. And they take these one examples of somebody not holding the door for them or somebody bumping them on the bus. And then that, to me, usually grows into a worldview that people aren't kind. But it all starts with those little examples. So we always say you're always creating evidence for your beliefs in any moment. So which direction do you want to create evidence? A belief that is amazing and feels great to you or a belief that doesn't serve you? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Would it be helpful to share one more example of telling yourself the truth? Yeah, absolutely. So... I I use these client examples and I am really blunt. Someone described me as blunt but loving, (laughs) but I'm really blunt with my clients and that is why they come to me. So anytime I share a client example, I just want to make it very clear that this is all said so lovingly and with the acknowledgement that this is also me when I'm not in coach mode, (laughs) that I I have all the exact same examples in my own life. Um, So these are just interesting stories that I find representative of the concepts we're talking about. But I had a client recently who said, I am not, I'm not successful. And I said, well, tell me one small thing in your entire life that you've been successful at. And his first thing that he said was, well, I graduated college, but everyone does that. And I paused him. I said, no, 
that is factually inaccurate. Not everyone graduates from college. In fact, it's actually a very low percentage of people in the entire world who graduate college and even of the people who enter a four-year university. That graduation rate is absolutely not 100. And so I thought it was really interesting the way that he used inaccurate data to knock himself down and to feel bad about himself. But it wasn't even true. And so again, that's just an example of I don't recommend using evidence to feel bad about yourself ever, <laughs> but if you're going to make it factual, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really good example. Actually, that's a really good example. It was really interesting. I like how you called him out on, well, you know, no, that's not exactly true. <laughs> and here's why. I think one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is that we're alone. Mm. Yes, I think that's, that's like a huge lie that we're constantly telling ourselves that feeds into everything every day. Cause it's like, if you believe that you're alone and you're isolated, then you don't really, you, you start to just lose a lot of self-worth and we're not alone. We're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that along the same lines, the other belief that I think is really not, not productive and does not serve us is no one else feels like this. Mm. I hear that a lot from people. Yeah. And while we have unique journeys, there are a lot of similar feelings and similar things that we go through, no matter what it is, to know that there are people who've walked in your shoes before and they've gotten through it. So let's, you know, let's take encouragement from that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that you're a really good example of putting that out into the world so that people can relate. Well, thank uh, so you. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for what you're putting out there. <laughs> hey, that's what keeps me motivated. When I don't feel like editing podcasts, I go, this is going to help someone. <laughs> that's go. my key motivation <laughs> is I just pray and hope that it helps people. Yeah. And that keeps me going. It keeps me going every day when I have awful headaches and awful migraines and I feel like I can't function. Just knowing that the work that I'm putting in can hopefully help someone feel less alone. I mean, that to me, that's what makes it worth it. That's what makes it. I have an awful headache, but I'm actually going to sit here and edit this Mm -hmm. podcast right now. Yeah, that's huge. But it's all about we each have to find our own motivation. What you said at the beginning, going back to what you said at the very beginning about how you can't take other people's motivation. I mean, people might have similars, but you have to find your thing that keeps you going each and every day because somebody else's is yeah. not going to do it for you. And I think to add on to that, some of the, one of the things that I find most powerful is the idea that we can actually generate our own motivation instead of being subject to the motivation fairy. <laughs> the motivation fairy. <laughs> <laughs> that idea that your thoughts create your feelings. And if motivation or motivated is a feeling, then that's created by a thought. And so finding ways to really generate your own motivation on a day-to-day basis. So another example, actually, from a client, I had an email exchange with somebody who said, I'm super disengaged at work. I'm bored. There's nothing interesting for me to work on. I have no creative projects. And I said to him, what if the exact creativity that you want to feel at work is the creativity that you need to summon right now to solve the problem? of how you're not creative at work, right? You have the perfect opportunity to be creative 
with the problem of not being creative. And so he reported back to me a few weeks later and he said, that completely changed the way that I showed up at work. He said, I created this new dashboard that I hadn't even thought of a few weeks ago. But when I came to work with fresh eyes, when I asked the right questions, when I got creative and I really found and generated my own motivation, my situation completely changed. And I know it's such a life coach thing to say that like our perspective and our mindset changes everything, but it's true. So, (laughs) Hey, you're good at what you do because I'm feeling motivated right now. And before we got on this call, I was dreading the work I was going to have to do afterwards. I was like, here's all this stuff I have to do. And I was dreading it. Like I was actually dreading it. And now I'm like, okay, I just got to shift my perspective a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But you're, it's, it's so funny because I'm like, I'm just saying words and you're the thoughts that you're having about my words is what's creating your motivation. So give yourself some credit there. Well, thanks. (laughs) So is there anything else you want to share that we haven't talked about? No, I think we covered a lot of really interesting stuff. So I, I appreciate your good questions. And if anyone wants to try out the deep work state. So again, it's a 15 minute process for how to get into a deep work state so that you can do that focused uninterrupted work and actually see what you're made of, see the work that you're able to create when you're not distracted. It's so exciting to watch that and to watch how proud of yourself you can be. So that's at peakcoaching.co slash deep work state. And that's a PDF you said? Yeah, it's a it's a download and then you get um, a Google Doc actually. A download. Keeping okay. it easy. Yeah. <laughs> I can put that in the podcast description. So That'd be if amazing. anyone's interested. Yeah, I'll, I'll for sure. I'll link to that for everyone so they yeah. can see that. Is there anything, is there any other ways you want people to get in touch with you? Social media? I'm on Instagram finally. <laughs> All my friends are proud of me. <laughs> um, it's just peak coaching. So it's P-I-Q-U-E. And then the last way to, to really reach out is to go to peakcoaching.co slash mini session. I do 30 minute free mini sessions every month with people who are interested in solving productivity and time management challenges. So I always say it's awesome to listen to podcasts. It's awesome to read books, but this helps you actually individualize it and make it customized so we can actually coach you directly on your challenge. That's great. Yeah. I'll put all that info there for people the links so this has been great I feel so motivated I'm sure our listeners (laughs) are feeling motivated too so thank you so much for coming on and doing this yeah thank you so much for having me I'm excited to see what comes out of your motivation (laughs) thank you (laughs) have fun thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on declaration life would love to connect with you on instagram at declaration life or at ChristabelBraden.com slash Declaration Life. Subscribe and join for new episodes as we explore what it means to live a Declaration Life.